Welcome back to Sanity. I'm Shane Gordon. Do you believe there is such a thing as mercy killing? And if so, is there ever a time, maybe based on age or cognitive ability, when you would say mercy killing is immoral? Today we'll be talking about that. We'll also look at a girl who gave away her boyfriend's cat without his knowledge and a mom who wants to give her stepdaughter away. Let's discuss. There's a story that came out a few days ago about a woman in Florida whose baby died moments after being born. What makes this story heartbreaking and newsworthy is that her baby had no kidneys and she, her doctors, and the baby's father knew this. However, in Florida, laws prevented her from having an abortion. Of course, this story was the catalyst for a political firestorm from all sides. I think we know the arguments, so there's no need to really rehash them here. The pro-abortion advocates argued that the emotional turmoil and pain for the mother is unjust and she should have been able to abort the baby. Anti-abortion advocates argued that the moments she had to hold the baby were incredibly precious. And I want to be very clear here. Pro-life advocates consider abortion the killing of a living, unborn baby. A medical procedure to remove an unborn baby who has already died would not be considered an abortion by the vast majority of anti-abortionists. I will say that the anti-abortion argument in this particular case is just a bit more nuanced. Also, let's just call it what everyone else does, pro-life. Pro-life individuals understand that there will be times of pain if all abortion is illegal. They understand this woman was devastated. In fact, many pro-life advocates have gone through very similar situations. Pain in life serves to further elevate joy. This is a fairly basic psychological concept. If we felt nothing but pleasure, soon we would feel nothing at all. This is why drug addicts are forced to either take higher doses or more potent drugs to achieve the same high, and sometimes they do both. Our bodies quickly become numb to the same euphoric feelings. This is also why addictions like porn often lead to acting out desires through prostitutes or even things more extreme than that. So if we never felt pain and sorrow, we also would never feel joy. No matter how short or long a life is, it should be cherished and celebrated. Life should be something that is always valued. The quality of life should play no role in how we value that life. Sadly, our national morality has slipped so far that life itself is no longer cherished and is only cherished when certain standards of quality are met. According to the British Pregnancy Advisory Service, about 2,700 abortions for fetal anomalies occur each year in Great Britain. 40% of those are for cognitive malformations, 24% are for disorders of the nervous system, 37% are chromosomal anomalies, anomalies, excuse me, and 16% are for other conditions. Now you might be thinking to yourself that those things sound bad. Would the baby have lived anyway? 
Well, let's take into account that Down syndrome is one of these anomalies that lead parents to choose abortion. Down syndrome is common enough and obvious enough that we all have or do know someone or at least have encountered someone with Down syndrome. Do these people have challenges in life? Absolutely. Do parents of children with Down syndrome have added challenges? Again, yes. However, in the early 1900s, someone with Down syndrome wasn't expected to live past 10 years of age. Now, many people with the disorder live well into their 50s and 60s. They can't, they, excuse me, they can have very fulfilling lives. They're often some of the happiest people you'll meet. They do contribute to society. Are they more of a drain on resources when compared to their non-Down syndrome counterparts? Most of the time, yes. But we live in a society that provides great opportunities for both the individuals and their caretakers. Then why is Down syndrome a condition in which parents might choose to abort a baby? To use the words of the British Pregnancy Advisory Service, the, the argument I just made obscures the emotional anguish and practical difficulties experienced by women who receive a diagnosis of a fetal anomaly in an otherwise wanted pregnancy and who cannot see their way to raising a child with a serious disability. That's a lot of words to basically just say, because it will be challenging and we want to raise babies that don't require too much effort. This is why I say we have no, we no longer cherish life unless it meets certain criteria. Unless the life in question benefits my own life in some way, I don't want it. There used to be a time when we became parents, not for our benefit, but for the benefit of the child or children we brought into the world. Sadly, though, the entire Democratic Party and liberals as a whole are doing pretty much everything in their power to promote selfishness and individualism. They have no shame and don't try to hide that they prefer a woman be able to abort a baby simply because she doesn't want it or doesn't like something about it. Liberalism is no longer even hiding the fact that they also want post-birth abortions. In the Netherlands, euthanasia, or assisted suicide, is now legal starting at the age of 1. A terminally ill child between 1 and 12 can now be put to death by their doctor. They claim that roughly 5 to 10 children annually will be euthanized. If you've been paying attention, though, to societal trends at all, the terminally ill restriction won't last long, if at all. The main reason for this is that children can't consent, especially at one year old. Just like preborn babies, these kids will have no say about whether or not they die. And just like abortion, the requirements for legally murdering children will become more and more lenient. The language to use is that the child's life needs to be unbearable. But what is considered unbearable? will include more and more conditions. This isn't a guess I'm making. 
This is what will happen without something stopping the momentum of this movement to sacrifice our children on the altar of our desires and pleasures. And I want to pose this question to you. What happens when our pre-birth testing becomes even more advanced? I'm not the first to ask this question, but it is worth bringing up every time we discuss topics like this. How long before we're killing healthy babies because they're going to have red hair or green eyes? If you think this is crazy, let me remind you that liberalism is already openly fighting for legalized abortion up until the moment of birth for any reason, including simply deciding you don't want a baby. There is no such thing as mercy killing. Mercy killing is just a term politicians use to gain more power and individuals use to hopefully avoid feeling the shame of putting their selfish desires ahead of the life of an innocent person. Okay, that's all I want to say about that. Let's move on to something lighter. Today, in the Ask or Am I the A Hole uh, portion of the show, we're first going to look at a girl who is asking, Am I the A Hole for surrendering my boyfriend's cat to a shelter? My ex had a cat when I moved in with him. I don't think that's supposed to say X, by the way, when we get through the rest of the story. I just, just think it's boyfriend. My boyfriend had a cat when I moved in with him. He had never actually adopted it. It was a stray that became his after he started feeding it. When his ex was living with him, it got pregnant and had kittens. And they found homes for some, but others became strays. When I moved in, I told him we should get the cat spayed and take it to the vet for fleas. He agreed at first, but weeks went by and he still didn't make an appointment. When I asked him if I should do it, he said he was going to do it. And I waited a few more weeks and okay, I'm going to cut out a whole bunch of this because she talks for a long time about the same thing. Let me summarize it. The boyfriend never did anything. She eventually took it to get prescription flea medication because the fleas were biting everyone at night and over the counter stuff wasn't working. And uh, she asked him to pay for half of it. Apparently he only works a part-time job and, uh, yeah, he they can't afford bills and cat medicine, I guess. And let me make clear, she didn't get it spayed at this point. It's still not spayed. Um, so then she goes on to say the fleas subsided. Uh, I spent all my free time vacuuming and deep cleaning the furniture and carpets. During all this time, I was the one always buying cat food and cleaning the litter. I would remind him and ask him to help, which sometimes he would, but he'd always go back to forgetting again. A few months later, we finally had some money to spare. So I said to him, we should have her spayed. He became very angry and eventually shared that he doesn't believe in having animals sterilized because it's their right to breed and having offspring. And he also wanted to put the money towards a PS5. This made me really angry because it had already been or it already had had a litter of kittens of which they never found homes for. And going on, basically, she was always taking care of this cat. He didn't want to take care of this cat. I hit on most of the high points. And then when it ran out of food, she took it to a no kill shelter. And then she says, my boyfriend is heartbroken and furious at me that I rehomed his cat without his permission. We can't afford to adopt it back from the shelter. And I'm feeling like I made a huge mistake. 
Well, honey, you did make a huge mistake. You actually made a lot of huge mistakes. Mistake one, living with your boyfriend. Let's start by just pointing out that he currently or he previously had lived with his ex-girlfriend. What makes you think you're going to be any different than the ex-girlfriend? She played house. She got dumped. You're going to play house. You're going to get dumped. No one is making this man. And in fact, in society today, no one's making any man commit to any kind of a relationship. This is just crazy. And we've seen this in so many of these. And just so you know, I, I'm not just picking from the top. I'll scroll through the top like five or six uh, most recent posts on Am I the A-Hole? But I don't really go any further than that. Some are just, some aren't worth talking about on this show. So are you the A-Hole? There's no point in calling anyone an A-Hole here. But there is a point in talking about how jacked up society is. They are playing house without any commitment. They're pretending to be married without any of the actual marriage things. Wow, I'm articulate today. They want to live together, but they each pay for different things. They haven't apparently even talked about this cat in detail, at least not before they uh, moved in. I'm guessing they, other than saying you pay for this, you pay for that, they haven't talked about finances. I'm guessing they haven't talked about children. If they do talk about children, I'm going to guess they don't agree on children. Our society has gotten flipped upside down when it comes to relationships. We are willing to commit to all the hardships of a marriage as far as actually living with someone without actually having any of the conversations and making any of the covenants that belong with that type of lifestyle. If you are ready to be with someone, you should not be living with them. And if this man, I have a hard time calling him a man. I'm guessing they're young. She doesn't say if he only has a part-time job and he's relying on you to pay the rent and the groceries and he's too immature to take care of the cat that he doesn't want to get rid of. And if he is too immature to put the needs, your needs before a PS five, you got to get out of that relationship. And then next relationship, don't do this again. Don't move in with someone. I know it can get complicated in some areas. Rent is very expensive, but you literally said you're paying the rent while he has a part-time job. Darling, this is, this is not a, a boy you want to stay with. Even if he's a man, he's acting like a boy. You need to run. You need to find someone who is motivated You need to develop a relationship with them before you move in. You need to have the difficult conversations and then get married and then move in together. And then you already know what you're going to do with the cat because you've talked about it. Now I'm talking to her. Don't think that he's getting off the hook. It's just, she's the one who wrote this as far as him be a man. Like we have neutered men today. He not only is he not, desiring to take care of his girlfriend. He is letting her take care of him. He's letting her take care of the home, take care of his cat, take care of the most important things, the bills and the rent groceries. 
while he works a part-time job to save up for a PS5. What the heck is happening? I don't have a problem with women working. I do have a problem with split bills. That's a topic for another day. I think if you're married, you should be sharing a bank account. You should be sharing bills. Everything should come out of your joint money. There is no he and her anymore. It is you together. But again, conversation for another day. This is not someone, ladies, don't aspire to date this man. He's, he's not worth your time. He's got to grow up. Make him grow up before you date him. Okay. Next. Am I the a-hole for telling my husband to let his daughter live with her uncle right off? Yeah, probably. But let's read. This one's short. I, you know, thank you, Timely Yak 5594 for your short, concise post. My husband has a 14-year-old daughter, Debbie. So obviously this, the, the author of this is the stepmom. Debbie's mom left her right after she was born and my husband's brother helped him raise her. Sounds like a very nice, loving family. Debbie even sees him as her dad and calls them both dad. For anyone who might think that's weird, I have a second mom who I spent a whole lot of time with as a kid. And my mom doesn't think it's weird. I don't call her mom. I call her second mom, but same idea. When we got married, we had to find a home very close to my brother-in-law's home because of Debbie. Because of this, we didn't have many options and ended up with a two bedroom house. We could buy a bigger house with more rooms elsewhere, but Debbie wouldn't live anywhere that wasn't close to her uncle's home. This has made some problems for us. We have a four-year-old son and Debbie won't share a room with him and won't let us move to another home. I finally got tired of her attitude. And when she was at school, I put all of my son's stuff in Debbie's room. When she came back home, she started yelling at us saying she won't share. I said, fine, then you can have the couch. She ran to her room and called her uncle. Her uncle came, uh, her uncle, excuse me, took her to his home and she is saying she won't come back unless we put my son out of her room. I told my husband she, or he should just let her live with her uncle. He is like a dad to her and his home is very close to us and he can see her whenever he wants. So, or this will solve all our problems, but my husband thinks I'm an a-hole. And my in-laws all agree with him. Well, holy crap. You know, I don't like calling people a-holes. You're an a-hole. You just are. First of all, I want to point out some very telling things in here. We see Debbie's name. I'm going to assume it's the real name because she didn't say that she changed names anywhere. But we don't see her son's name or their son's name. The son is, we have a four-year-old son. So it's the son of her and him together. Yet later on, she says, unless we put my son out of her room. I think this lady has, there seems to be some weird dynamics and a lot of uncertainty in this family. I will point out first that um, she doesn't refer to the son as their son when it's important. So obviously there's some disconnect between she and her husband, she doesn't call Debbie her daughter and refers to Debbie as Debbie, not even stepdaughter. So she doesn't even see Debbie as a stepdaughter. It's very clear from this post. She sees her as a nuisance. So she married this man knowing Debbie existed. 
I'm assuming there was some controversy, controversy and strife before the marriage and it wasn't dealt with, but she knowingly came into this marriage with this girl, with this, with his daughter existing. Okay. Now let's move on to big issue. Number two, I see who's running this household. Sure. seems like Debbie is sure. Seems like hubby lets the daughter run the household. I don't know why. I don't know how that came to be, but obviously that's wrong. She is not in charge here and should not be making the decisions for the household. If you need to move to a bigger house, you move to a bigger house. And daddy needs to step up if he doesn't want to move to a bigger house and say, Hey honey, you're sharing a room or we're moving. You're not in charge of this house. Your mom and I are, but apparently dad puts Debbie's needs before wife's needs. So wife cares most about their son. Dad cares most about the daughter. Apparently all the in-laws agree that this 14 year old's feelings matter more than the family unit. I mean, this is just a hot, a hot mess. Again, though, this kind of comes back to some other things I was, I've been talking about. We, you start a family to put others before yourself. You start a family to, to care about the needs of someone else. The mom is not caring about the needs of the daughter or her husband. The husband is not caring about the needs of his wife. And I just, how is this ever going to be successful in any relationship? Now I'd say God always comes first. And one of the biggest reasons for that is when you put God first in your relationship, you and your spouse are both on the same, uh, you're playing by the same rules and you're aiming at the same goal, the goal of truth and righteousness. So when there's a disagreement, the conversation isn't based around what I want versus what you want. It's based around, well, what does God say should happen in this situation? Okay. Two, spouses should always come before their kids. You cannot take care of your kids and your, without putting each other first. And your kids need to see that your relationship with your spouse comes first, always. Because that's what will set them up for healthy relationships in the future. And then your kids come next. You don't need to worry about what in-laws think. You need to worry about what's best for your family. And you both need to have a come to Jesus moment and realize you're prioritizing the wrong things. That's all I'm going to say about that. And that's it for today. Thank you for joining me on this wonderful Cinco de Mayo. I hope you have a great day and a good weekend. We'll catch you back on Monday. If you're on YouTube, subscribe, like, comment, do anything. Let the algorithm know you're enjoying this. If you're listening to this podcast somewhere, take a moment to follow, rate, and review. Again, the algorithm gods need to know who's enjoying this content so that uh, it can get out in front of more people. Again, thanks, and we'll see you next time on Sanity.